Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of season four of Houndcast. We're extremely excited to be back bringing you another jam-packed season, uh, unique episodes from some of our alumni and their stories. For those of you who haven't tuned in with us before, my name is Justin Dorenzis, and I serve as the Assistant Director of Alumni and Family Engagement. And today, I am very excited to be joined by Nate Ferraro, an alumnus of the class of 2013. Nate, how are you doing today? Uh, not bad. Not bad. You know, getting, getting through all cold weather. Not used to this too much, but yeah. Good. Such as. Nate is coming to us uh, from the States uh, today, but he, Nate does work and live in Yemen. So um, we're fortunate enough to have him be able to record with us today on the same time zone. So, uh, Nate, can you, you know, first start off by telling us a little bit about your Moravian story as a student? Um, you know, what made Moravian kind of the ideal choice for you when you were kind of looking through and, and searching at the variety of universities uh, and colleges that you were looking at as a student? Um, and what were you involved in on campus? Yeah, uh, thanks, Justin. Um, yeah, no, it's nice uh, getting back a little bit, getting back home to the, the normal normalcy of uh, and being on time zones where you can actually talk to people and not be half asleep or they're half asleep. So it's nice. It's nice. It's it's nice for, for, from that perspective. But uh, yeah, no. So I uh, I came to Moravian in two thousand nine. I had actually come initially because uh, to play lacrosse. So I got kind of recruited to play lacrosse. And okay. as soon as I got there, lacrosse team got cut. <laughs> so it just it was a great like. Ominous, ominous beginning to uh, to my Moravian career, where I think we were in like February, right before the lacrosse season, and sure. they cut it, and it was um, something like it was two thousand nine. Financial crisis was it, and had to kind of uh, tighten the belts a bit. Um, so a lot of guys kind of thought about transferring. Some guys did because uh, you're a freshman, like you can kind of go different places. Other right. coaches kind of contacted you, so you can kind of move around. And, Ended up uh, staying. Just really liked Moravian, liked the people, liked the classes, liked the community, and I think it was a good decision in the long run. And then from there, because didn't really have lacrosse anymore, ended up getting involved in a lot more economic stuff with uh, Doctor Z's. Okay. Um, as well as I became um, the student trustee representative after a very, I I think I can say ridiculous campaign where. I think they changed some of the rules because I was, as dumb as a dumb young kid, I thought good ways to run campaigns. <laughs> Me and my uh, my uh, roommate thought, oh yeah, this this will work, and it somehow did. But we were just dumb about it. So I ended up being going from getting cut from lacrosse to being on the board of trustees, uh, and it just kind of yeah, I. Honestly, it, it, it's a it was a nice juxtaposition between the two, where you have something where you don't understand kind of what's actually happening, and you understand why decisions were made. Right. Uh, honestly, you kind of remember a lot of you. You you kind of when when you're making decisions, stuff you realize like there's a lot of other people on the ends of those things because it's not like you were on the other end of it at one point. So it gave me a weird full circle of it. Um, and I was I like I didn't see a lot of the stuff that I was voting on when I was a uh, student trustee, but it was kind of yeah, 
it was a bit of a, it was interesting. You know, speaking about your time as a student trustee, you know, kind of what was that like and, and what did that mean to you? And especially um, looking at, you know, your professional growth since leaving Moravian, like what did your time as a student trustee mean to you? Oh, I'll say this a lot. I'm still to a degree an idiot, but uh, like, like it just made me grow up a lot more. Like I was an idiot. I'm, I still am an idiot to a degree, like actually not to a degree, to it a lot. But um like being a student trustee, you just, it makes you, it made me grow up a lot. It made me understand the ramifications of decisions. It made me sure. take things a little bit more seriously. It, it was a lot of reality checks that I think I needed at that point. And it definitely helped me kind of push to other, other opportunities that were out there. Like the other thing is like, that's just one part of me being at Meridian. Like I was running around trying to do, like I was working in catering. I was doing stuff with the economics department. It was sure. just one aspect, but it was, look, the, the reason you stay at Moravian, or for me, at least, and this is my own take on it, is the, the people there, like the community, it made things easy to stay and hard to leave because people there are so great. The community there is so absolutely excellent at uh, right. just kind of making you feel at home. Yeah, that, that, this is like the Moravian, hey, we're going to, like, rah, rah, this is, this is what it is. But look, it, it, it gave me a little bit, like, it matured me up a bit. The economic stuff got me the opportunity to go to master's. So I ended up doing a master's after in economics. And Terrific. was able to kind of like parlay these things towards other opportunities. But it all starts with kind of being stupid. And right. Becoming, yeah, think, thinking you can figure things out. For sure. And, and, and I think like you said, that first experience of you really kind of wanted to come to Moravian to, uh, you know, play lacrosse and kind of that was your focus. And like, you know, you were really passionate about that and all these other opportunities along the way kind of led you to see things in a different light and to be able to, like you said, you know, kind of wise up and, and mature a little bit and um, grow into what you're doing now. So I think that's, that's a really, really unique opportunity that you had. And, and I think some of our other student trustees, you know, over the past several years, I'm sure that our alums today can also kind of relate to that same experience that you had. So that's awesome to hear that it was a really kind of favorable and an important experience for you. Uh, what does the, you know, life kind of look like after Marie? I mean, you know, did you, you know, start working right away? I know you mentioned that, you know, you did go to grad school. Did you kind of matriculate over into the into your grad program right after undergrad or did you stay um local to the Bethlehem area yeah so I uh I just I had an opportunity thanks to some of the research I was able to do with Dr. Aziz got a pretty good financial aid assistance to go to grad school because I, I just took out a ton of loans from Moravian, so yep. taking off more loans was not exactly, didn't seem great at the time, but hey, I got, it was a great opportunity, kind of took it, went down to Virginia Tech, got a master's. After that, I just kind of, that this is, this is where like my life started to kind of veer off of the normal rails, as it were, where I was like, oh, well, I want to travel. I want to go see the world because you're like a 23, 24 year old kid absolutely wanting to run around and you realize hey i don't really have money which is kind of what you need to travel and i started applying to jobs abroad and i ended up applying to a peace corps so i ended up getting accepted as uh for peace corps response in armenia and there's like two peace corps there's two peace corps like uh, 
options. One is the normal Peace Corps where you go in, you do two years, you do a two-year stint, and that comes with you show up, you're with like 40 other people, you're in a cohort, you go to local villages that are all kind of, they're, they're used to Americans, they're used to people being around, and you train up on language, you train up on understanding the culture, you train, and that's like two and a half, three months. Okay. And then you get put out into local communities. And that's for people like just out of school who just did the first time, who just kind of will do the stuff. And I didn't do that. <laughs> I did, I did uh, response, which are shorter term things that don't really have that training. So I kind of came into Armenia. I remember my first night, I just kind of like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. They put me in a random apartment that they had. There was no really? blanket, no heating. It was an absolute mess. It's February in Yerevan, which is in the middle of the mountains. It's there's like snow on the ground. I'm freezing. Uh, there were no pans. Like so, you kind of were just like, this is this is not not how I pictured this going. And like you're because right. I can't speak the language, so you just kind of like aimlessly start running around. I went out the next day, bought a frying pan, and like I would just kind of get into these like weird situations that were just funny and comical looking back, but at the time you don't know any better. Right. Where I would just go into places and just like grunt and be like, oh, I need some eggs and just like point and be like and play like a very bad game of charades with the guy behind the counter trying to point and give him like <laughs> give him signs like three. Like like and trying to figure it out. Right. And at one point at one point, um what is it? I ended up uh buying a kilo of cheese because I couldn't I didn't know the words for like half or like anything else so I ended up buying a kilo of cheese because I went in and I was like I want cheese and I just pointed at him I was like okay cheese and I was like okay half and he's like yeah I'll cut it and the only word I knew was like kilo so I was like kilo but like half and I kept saying half and like trying to make the cut sign to him he was just looking at me like yeah no of course I'm gonna cut it you idiot like yeah so I ended up just he just cut it and gave it to me. I'm too shocked. Don't know how to speak Armenian. Don't know how to speak like any in Russian. Don't know how to speak anything. I'm just saying, I'm like, well, I guess I guess I'm buying a kilo of cheese. Right. The issue right. is, the issue is my apartment doesn't have a, uh, doesn't have a fridge. So I ended up having to eat like a kilo of cheese in like two sittings. It's terrible. But it taught me the importance of knowing just enough words to get by. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is, and, I think those like type of experiences in Armenia where me not knowing stuff, people helping me, me kind of like learning these things on the fly right. kind of made me want to keep doing this. After Armenia, I ended up going to um, Somalia for a year. And then I ended up going after that. I was in Jordan for a year and a half. And now I've been in uh, Yemen for about a year and a half so yeah wow. it's kind of been different and like it all kind of starts with hey this is moderately fun and entertaining and i enjoy right. kind of learning and doing dumb things and finding myself in interesting situations yeah <laughs> and but and evidently buying kilos of cheese because yeah just me once again like me being an idiot i just kind of find it fun and just kind of fell into it sure no, I, I think that's so, I think that's so cool that like you've had all these, you know, different experiences and like living in all of these different countries and, 
obviously being able to be a part of all these experiences, like, and you don't have any like family members that are abroad are all of like your family members pretty much over here um, in the States. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Most of my family, like my, like my grandma is um, ethnically Armenian. Okay. So like that, that, that was a good thing. I look Armenian, just like slightly bigger. Sure. But, um, like I just, I would just go in and be like, Imtati Kaivi. Like when, whenever like things went like really downhill and like my Armenian, cause eventually I learned enough to like get around or like, I learned a little bit of Russian to like read street signs. But right. if like everything else failed, it was like, Imtati Kaivi, which is like, my grandma's Armenian. <laughs> Normally that would get people to like, be like, oh, okay like i don't know how that relates to what we're doing but like it would buy me a little bit of time or like, yeah there's or like push the conversation in a different way that i'd be able to like but people honest people in Armenia were absolutely great and i i did love it even though i kind of just got they just peace corps just dropped me to a degree in this little village called uh, Manzur, okay the middle of the mountains in armenia and like i spoke no armenian i had like two months of training as opposed to like two weeks and just or two months and i just kind of you just make it work and you sure. hope for the best and you have to learn and stuff. So yeah, to answer your question, didn't stay local. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of the gist of that. No, yeah. that's, that's, that's terrific. And, and in terms of like what you're doing, you know, currently from like what you started out doing um, when you first went abroad, is there a lot of similarity in kind of what your current role is? Yeah. So when I first went abroad with, uh, Peace Corps, I ended up doing, they needed someone to help build or like train up kids at a local university's economic research center. Okay. Um, so I was kind of like helping teach people GIS, teach people SPSS, um, data analysis, survey design, produce outputs, things like that. And I've kind of kept to that a bit. Like when I was in Somalia, I was running third party monitoring stuff. So sure. it's more, hey, uh, organization does a uh gives out water in this area right are the u.s government gives them money gives like hey we gave you a million dollars you give out water we need someone to go check that you actually did it right so you're a third party monitor of the actual thing that happened so okay. you're, running, you're running teams you're collecting data you're doing um assessments and you kind of understand like okay these guys did it good these guys did it bad Right. And you're kind of reporting back to the donor about what's happening. So I was helping run teams and write reports with uh, in Somalia. And then from Jordan, became much more, I was in more of an academic, not academic, but it was more of a research-based organization that focused on um, analysis, like a lot more R scripting, which is uh, coding like uh, data, data analysis language, a lot more GIS stuff. Okay. Um, so it, it like I've always kind of kept that, and then now it's on um, information management in terms of how uh, how that how long you deliver multi-purpose cash to people in uh, Yemen. So like, hey, you just like like one of the big things is like, hey, you just you've lost your income, you had to flee uh, due to a flood, you had to flee due to fighting you're kind of, you're, you're in a bad spot. We need to give you some money to help you, you and your family kind of get things going. So the money that we're giving you covers like food, water, soap, 
uh, communications, transport, things like that to try to help people in like really dire situations. So it's kind of stayed the same, but it's also, you just kind of, it's all very different and each context is also very, very different in a way. Sure. Yeah. Sorry for the super long, weird answer. No, no, no. That's, that's really cool that like you've had a lot of like different like experiences and you know, like you've, you've had your hand in a lot of different um, types of types of processes. So I think that's really, really neat um, to kind of look at and, and hear from you about exactly what you, um, what you're involved in. In terms of like advice that you might have for any students that are tuning in uh, to the episode today, in terms of, you know, being involved in service uh, based organizations uh, that are abroad after they complete their program here at Moravian. I think a lot of the times students are, are sometimes um, apprehensive to like go find those opportunities. And, you know, because it, it is nerve wracking to pick up everything here that you're comfortable and, you know, you spent your whole entire life living in the United States and now having to kind of adapt to that culture abroad can, can sometimes be a little nervous. And um, I know it would certainly be nerve wracking um, for, for me as well. And I'm, I'm sure in some situations and cases um, that was true for you, but any sort of advice that you might have for students that are looking uh, to kind of make the leap and, and take a similar track that you took. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, one of these big misconceptions that people have is like, Oh, I need to speak the language perfectly or I need to know somebody there. Um, this advice comes with like, I'm like, it's going to be different for other people, everybody in a different context. Right. Because some contexts are entirely different. Like I'm a larger white dude running around the world. Like my, the, the way that people see me and interact with me is going to be completely different than other people that they interact with. So that caveat initially. Um, but the, like the advice I'd give is, look, you can always get your feet wet. There's places that allow you to volunteer. And that's kind of what I did with Peace Corps. Like, hey, let's see if I like this. The other yeah. nice thing about Peace Corps that I did was, hey, these guys, like, I don't need to pay my loans back while I'm doing it. And if it's federal, for some of the federal loans, interest wasn't accruing as fast so i was like look right. i can get experience i need to pay back loans um there's also hiring opportunities through peace corps that allows you to kind of jump into it um into like the federal ser- like the service and like the um foreign service things like that you can take the foreign service exam much easier which like look it's you'll end up kind of living in embassies there's a guy i know from peace corps who's doing it now well, actually a fair, fair bit of people who i know and it's definitely an option it's good pay and you live in super interesting locations so that is an option for people if they want to kind of like see the world and peace corps is kind of a good stepping stone into it I'm, I, I'm not sitting here saying like you need to do peace corps to do this like you can also travel there's also other opportunities with regard to volunteer organizations like un volunteers right. there's tons of things you can kind of do you can make a career out of this stuff where you're able to pay back loans where you're able to like uh, there's people I know who are American who are like saving up for houses in right. Europe that are looking to like move abroad so, like, or like put down money for stuff back home. Like one of the things that I was able to kind of get out of some of these was like, hey, my costs are going to stay low when I'm abroad. Like right now and like in Somalia, I lived in basically a compound. Can't really do a lot in a compound. You're not exactly spending money. Sure, sure. Um, Right. So you're saving a bunch of money. Um, and with like some tax stuff, 
especially like foreign during the income tax. Like if you're abroad for 330 some days, right. You don't pay uh, federal income tax on some of your money. So like it is an option, but it also, like you're saying, like it comes with sacrifice where you're not yeah. going to be around as much. You lose some of the future comforts. Right. Um, so what I would say to people who like, especially students who are thinking about is like Peace Corps or these volunteer organizations, might be a good stepping stone into it. Be careful with some of the volunteer organizations. Um, they'll, they'll like turn and burn you. They'll be like, ooh, like we can get this person to write an entire proposal for us as a volunteer and then not pay them. Or they'll make you pay for the opportunity to work for them. Like there's some weird stuff out there that you kind of need to be careful of. But right. The, like, I think taking a chance to a degree when you're younger, look, for the most part, it's not going to hurt you. Absolutely not. Like, like you're you're able to get experience abroad. You're able mm-hmm. to put, like take in a little bit more of language. Um, also, stuff's gonna get tough. Um, that's kind of something that I've felt over a lot of my career. Is I enjoy doing these things. I enjoy right. doing it, but it's also like you're out sometimes in the middle of nowhere like there's not people to kind of talk to you can't go down to the bar and like see your friends like you're going to feel isolated you're going to feel lonely there's various things that are you're kind of not going to expect and um you just kind of need to be ready for that though the way you kind of deal with that is, is going to be different and the professionalism you kind of take into it can sometimes differ from company to company to posting to posting to context to context so um for people who kind of want to get into this, I would say, one, you don't need like a ton of money to travel. You can find a company that will sponsor you. You can go to Peace Corps. They'll give you a, uh, a passport. Sure. Can be good. It'll, get, it'll give you experience. It'll give you access to, especially through the Peace Corps lens, give you access to other hiring opportunities down the road. And also, hey, if you walk into an interview, it's a good story to tell. You can break the ice with it. You can kind of, there's always a funny story that you can tell from wherever you were of something you've done and it just allows you to do it. Um, I think it also increases to a degree your independence. Like it makes you kind of very much self-sustaining, like much, like at a much higher level than I think people are used to, to a degree. Right. Um, We need to be aware of things a little bit different. So I think those things are good reasons to maybe go try to do this. And the other thing is, like, if you don't like it, you can come back home and have a couple, like, good stories to tell people. It's not hit or miss where, like, all of a sudden you need to marry yourself to this. So, like, like, I'm not sure I got that much left in the tank for it. So, for me, I'm like, okay, maybe do this for a little bit and then pull back. But still have those experiences. And like you said in the beginning, still have, like, some of that data experience that can still be utilized. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's important, like everything you're touching on, I think it's important because, you know, like students now, it's so important for them to like kind of, you know, distinguish themselves in, you know, their professional capabilities and like just distinguish themselves from every other college and, and university student that's graduating, you know, this year, like to be able to have sort of experiences and those unique experience, as you said, it, it helps you grow in a different way. And, and I think it, it adds something as, as a conversation piece um, yeah. as well. So I and think it's really, really critical. The, the other thing that I think 
sometimes people discount is the world's getting a whole lot smaller too. Like you're not like, and I, I use this story when I talk to friends back home. Like when, when, when our parents were growing up, like you, you just need to be the best, what I like widget maker in a 35 mile radius. And mm-hmm. you, were, you were set, right? Like, like th- th- this makes things different. Now you're competing against, it's not 35 mile radius. It's not right. a state radius because of telecommunications and the way it's easier to work remotely. Like I'm working from PA in the right. now. Like, like you're like, I'm not competing against people in the greater Philadelphia area. I'm competing yeah. against people all over the world for these jobs. So like, because the world's getting smaller, you need to kind of like, like the cultural, I don't want to say like cultural, like, I don't know how to put this, but it's kind of the cultural, um, empathy like empathy to a degree like I, i've seen it a bit where like you, you have you have to deal with people from different areas of the world you have to deal mm-hmm. with people from different parts of life like and right. that's kind of going to be an important thing that i think in the new economy coming forward is going to be an important aspect of just like hey this person was raised completely different than the way i had went through completely different things than i had um I maybe I just need to take a step back and be like, okay, where are they coming from with this? And look, I like when I'm living in a compound with people, you live with people from all over the world. So there's people from Iraq, Syria, Pakistan, Italy, France, like like everywhere that, that you're living with. And you get really interesting views into the way that they view the world and kind of what they might have gone through to get where they are. As the world gets smaller, as you're going to have to interact with people from more diverse areas, like it's good to kind of have that, I don't want to say cultural empathy, but like, like, Hey, like this is where this person's coming from with this. Yeah. It makes things a little bit easier when you're. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when, when you can kind of like, you know, relate on those, on those sort mm-hmm. of big issues or, or those big topics, like it's, it's important because you're right. You're, you know, there are so many, I think, cultural mixing going on within all of these different organizations and and within just people having to work with each other more now because we live in this virtual space so i i definitely uh can understand like what you're what you're speaking to and and getting at with understanding that it's, it's important to to be culturally diverse and and to be um to have an understanding of what those other cultures think and the way that they view things because i think for a lot of us that you know are here in the states we have a very sort of streamlined narrow vision uh, and narrow viewpoint on how things are and how things need to be and when you look at it from the perspective of other people uh throughout the rest of the world it can be very different yeah yeah no and i I think it's one of those things where it's like it's not a, a matter of right or wrong like we're doing it right they're doing it wrong they're doing it right like it's not that it's more of just like oh this is how they got to that this is why they're doing it this way it's less of a it's less of a black and white right wrong it's more of like oh yeah no i see how they did that like why they got there and right like like with with all this stuff in kind of but like because this whole question kind of started with like what advice would you give people and i'm kind of like going off on a weird tangent not just giving people like straight advice but um you like the other thing is like when you're dealing with that stuff you're gonna make mistakes and i'm kind of trying to shoehorn this back into like a piece of advice but like look you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna mess up like the amount of times i've just messed up 
like did a cultural faux pas or like called someone the wrong name or like i i joke with them like they like i've messed up so many people's names i've just like hit the point where like you need, you need to tell me but also my american accent english is terrible so right. like, you try to kind of like hide behind these things like if you're afraid to make mistakes or afraid to go off and like try this stuff right you're not gonna in my like it does add a richness to it but like unless you're willing to make mistakes you don't actually like get right. it in a way and one of the things like remember i was in a barber shop and i was trying to learn arabic and my barber he's um palestinian he was palestinian jordanian so he's like from the levant so but the arabic i was learning at the time was uh lebanese okay. and i said like fini something which means like can i in lebanese arabic and he looked at me he's like nate do, do not say that do not say it that way i look i'm like why it's like it, it it doesn't sound um how do you how do you say masculine and i was just like wait, wait what he's like nate baghdad say baghdad so like you just realize like he started cracking up with it and trying to like tell me all these like little funny things but like at the yeah. end of the day he's trying to help me like you get a certain richness when you yeah. try even if you fail like people that's one thing like people I, I respect think, that like yeah. at the end of the day you know like Here. people respect you going out on a limb and like you know butchering your your first try at something like you know they have a lot of respect for that so that's yeah. awesome that he was able to play kind of play around with that yeah, you're trying. You're trying to. You're trying to make it. You're trying to meet them halfway. You're trying to understand it. I guess to summarize advice, go jump. Like, go to the ledge, jump off. Hope, like, hope you can make it. And uh, yeah, like, see, see what shot, life right? is like, like out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you don't give it a shot, if you don't take the risk, like, you're you're not going to know. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really it's well, a really good piece. You know, important piece. I should say calculated risk. Like, obviously, don't go like rolling roll, rolling into areas where like you shouldn't be. But right. like calculated risk, like risk risk reward calculations are kind of where like the sweet spot of where you want to be. Hey, this will give me a leg up into like we were saying, like foreign service exams or something. Or like, hey, I really want to go to this area. I can go with this organization. They're gonna help me out with the visas or something like that. So right. Um, look, it's a career option, um, but it it comes with a cost of their like a cost that some people don't want to don't want to go into and other people it's fine paying you know i guess one of the last things that we always ask all of our houndcast guests is what do you miss most about being a part of moravian's campus community on like a daily basis like in essence if you had to take one or two things that make moravian moravian what would they be and if there is one or two things because every alum that i've seemed to talk to at this point have all had different sort of answers and they, they've all had sort of different pieces that they say, like, when I think of Moravian, I think of this, or like, this is kind of what my overall experience at Moravian kind of culminated to um, when I look back. Man, I, like, I think, I think I would characterize a lot of red ink would be the thing that I associate most, most with, uh, with Moravian. And the reason being, because I I did uh, one of those the, like thesis things with my senior year, and doctors he's ripped those things apart to no end. Like at one point, 
all the corrections that we get back were in like green or blue. And I remember I, like I asked her one time and she's just like, Yeah, I I ran out of red ink. <laughs> so like I, I think I, I associate taking to a degree like constructive criticism. Sure. I guess. When you were on did, did they have off campus housing? When you so I so I actually did not go to Moravian. I went to um, another institution, uh, Kings uh, College up in Wilkes-Barre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yep, okay. So I went to I went to Kings and I graduated in 2016. Um, okay. My undergrad, um, but I'll, I'm actually in the MBA program now at Moravian. So I'll I'll be I'll be a, an alum myself come May. So I'm, okay. I'm 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 excited about that. Well, congratulations on that. Thank but you. The, the, no, the, the reason I was going to say, the reason I was asking was because, uh, like, when I was at school, like, we didn't have off-campus housing. Like, I was in this weird little, like, five, six-year period where they didn't have off-campus housing at all. Having everyone that tight in on the community and that surrounded by it, it did make the overall cohesion of the, of the campus community a little bit better. It made it easier to go see people. Like, like it, it was just... It felt more vibrant. Sure. Even though, we, even though, like the vibrancy was us just kind of saying, like, "Oh man, we really want to live off campus." But right. it, it, like looking back, it definitely made things made things better. It gives you the opportunity to make mistakes and kind of build from them, learn from them. Like you're, sure. you're gonna, yeah. It's to a degree like you're kind of in bubble wrap, where like you can make some mistakes, you can try to learn from them, and then from there try to make longer term decisions that can kind of make things and yeah that's you're gonna yeah you're gonna make dumb dumb choices there you're gonna like dumb things are going to happen to you regardless they're funny like if you can laugh them off yeah like oh man that that was terrible right just go from there so absolutely Absolutely. yeah moravian moravian's good good for that stuff the amount of yeah as much as as much as you can i suppose but sure no, that's, that's terrific. I, I really, really appreciate you, you know, you being on um, the podcast today, Nate. It was, uh, it was great getting a chance to learn, obviously, more about you and hear more about uh, your experience. And um, definitely for all of the viewers that are, are tuning in, I hope that you all have enjoyed listening to Nate um, about his experience, both um, abroad and also um, during his time here in a story at Moravian. So for all of our viewers today tuning in, uh, make sure you tune back in for our next uh, Houndcast episode launching uh, in two weeks. Until then, have a great rest of your day and hound them. <laughs>